Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sasso Mi Corazon. I am back with another guest today uh, because I can't help myself and I love talking to all people. I have Amani with me today, and um, I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself before we get into this conversation. Go ahead, Amani. Okay, so hi, everybody. Um, I'm Imani. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm from Riverdale, Georgia. Um, and if you don't know where that is, just to give you a frame of reference, it's on the south side and it's about 20 minutes from the airport. Um, I'm a UX designer with a background in sociology. And at the time I was like taking business classes and I realized that um, the things that I was learning were kind of, they were missing something. Like we talked about numbers as if they didn't have people behind them. And so that made me realize like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this. So I shifted towards um, developing a goal of bringing humanity into business decisions. And so I thought, what better way to do that than to design the products that people use every day? Because um, I think that a really good product can make somebody's life easier. So, yeah. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Amani and I actually don't know each other in person in person. Um, we've only seen each other virtually. We actually met through um, the Higher Black Now uh, Slack community. And um, anyone who really knows me knows that that is completely against my uh, natural instincts. I'm an introvert. I usually don't slide into DMs. But Amani and I um, just connected and, you know, she reached out and initially it was just a hey just want to pick your brain and we found that we have a lot more uh, similarities uh, than we would have thought had we not uh, reached out to each other and so I say that because it's really really important for just us women uh, in general to stay together especially with everything that's going on right now and I just encourage everyone to just reach out right if you feel so inclined and you feel like you can offer something please uh, make that connection and um, just start a conversation. You just never know where it can take you. Um, So Imani, you've been involved in so much uh, just through your studies and uh, your career shifts. So can you tell me a little bit how you've uh, gotten involved into women's issues, especially in school? Yeah, so at the time that I was an undergrad, I had a friend who worked in the Women's Center um and she would always invite me over you know we just hang out in the space and i got really cool with the executive director and she was leaving but she put in a good word for me so i started working there um (laughs) and after that i would just spend a lot of time in the space of course because i worked there um just having casual conversations with the other workers and other people that frequented the center and through these conversations, I just developed a deeper understanding of gender issues in general. Prior to working there, I just thought of them as women's issues, but I realized like, it's a lot broader than that. And mm-hmm. so I started working there as a programming coordinator. And I basically started planning events around gender issues. And yeah, I guess I can like give an example of Yeah, please do. Okay, so... um like something that I started in collaboration with other organizations on campus was a series called Disangling Doubt. And that was all about getting primarily black women in a space to share their experiences with their natural hair and also to like educate them 
so that they could have a better understanding of how to keep their hair healthy should they choose to be natural or not. Um, and so something that we learned from that is that um, it took a lot of care to hold that space because a lot of women revealed that um, it was important for it to be a women-centered space because they had negative experiences with their hair because of men. Mm. That just added another layer to it. Yeah. Wow. Oof, that's so powerful. There's so there's a couple things that stand out here. I think we talked about this before when we initially met virtually, but I also started with issues, um, not specifically to women's issues, but Latino issues mm-hmm. in school. So I started my undergrad at Georgia State in downtown yeah. Atlanta, mm-hmm. and it was exactly like this in, in terms of like, I was surrounded by other people who were passionate about the same things. And we all were trying to figure out ways on how to get involved with our community. And, you know, that was, that was part of why we were on scholarship where um, specifically because we were Latino students. But Mm -hmm. I think, I think what I really want to highlight here is that it's so important to get involved no matter what level you are, right? Like, I feel like some people think, oh, you have to have X amount of years of organizing and be an activist and all these other things. I'm like, you can speak up no matter where you are. Like you have mm-hmm. a sphere of influence, whether that's in your classroom, like in your internship or some of these other places that we are. And that's where a lot of, I think the creativity and just the innovation comes through, especially when you're, when you're in the thick of it and that's all you have the time to do, right. Is, mm-hmm. is to think about ways that you want to speak up. Um, so, I, you know, I really want to commend you for, for doing that. Cause that's amazing. And I think that more people should feel empowered to do that. You don't have to have just, you know, an immense amount of funds or, or mm-hmm. whatever it is, like find the people around you who feel the same way and, and, you know, get together and, amazing things happen like this, like the detangling mm-hmm. roots or detangling doubts, I should say. Um, about that event, I yeah. like, I feel it's so crucial because yeah, I knew how to manage my hair. Like when I went off to college and, and was, you know, out into the world, but I don't think I really understood like the gravity of how to maintain mm-hmm. my natural hair mm-hmm. and like the impact of, you know, not just on my self-esteem, but also how the world sees me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's really talked about. And and I think that, you know, especially like with the Crown Act that uh, Congress, um, they've been pushing to, to pass, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to um, I don't know all the words off the top of my head, but essentially yeah. to, to make sure that we're not being discriminated based off of our hair, right? Like natural mm-hmm. hair and its natural state, particularly for women of color, um, can be professional and we shouldn't be discriminated against because of that. And so, you know, it's just small things like that. The conversations end up, you know, kind of snowballing. And so I think that's, that's super important. So that mm-hmm. is absolutely amazing work. And I think it should continue to do it. And I think, you know, we have enough uh, listeners in this age range, especially those who are still going to college, like, please, please, please use your platforms. It is super easy to, you know, do things, especially with student programs. I think there's a lot of untapped, uh, perf- um, you know, potential there for, for student campuses and stuff like that. So yeah. big up to agree. you for really do that. Yeah. I completely agree. I think that students, I think something that we think about a lot of the time is that we have to make like a huge impact. But what, what we don't realize is that like you can do a small thing for a couple of people and you never know 
how far that's gonna go. Like you don't know who they'll share it with. You don't know who the people after that will share it with. Like just focus on getting the people (laughs) around you and it spreads naturally. Yeah, because that's how impact becomes impact, right? Yeah. <laughs> like one person will take it and it can change their whole course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially when you think about mentorship and the people who we look up to and who are doing things that we feel like we want to achieve, mm-hmm. you know, it'll, it'll completely change your perspective. And I think, you know, it really does ignite a fire that we may not see, mm-hmm. but it certainly impacts other people. Um, this podcast for me, like I started it because I just felt like I had something to say and I finally wasn't scared of what other people are thinking, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. more so doing it for the people who will take something out of the stories and are impacted positively. And, you know, like it's okay that mm-hmm. I only have, you know, X amount of listeners. I'm not doing it for, for, you know, the clout or whatever, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, it's impacting other people and that's, what's really important. So yeah. with that being said, we're talking about conversations and stuff like that. What do you think is most important for people to remember when having conversations specifically diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and belonging, you know, that, that event that you talked about, you, you came out with some, uh, realizations that you hadn't, uh, really thought of before, mm-hmm. um, and some of the things that you've learned. So what are you, what are some of the things that you keep in mind when you're having these conversations? I think the biggest thing that I have to like constantly remind myself is that DEI work is not about me. And so Ooh. I think this is really important because it's really easy to see yourself in your work. Um, and so you want to go hard for other people with similar identities, but you have to remember other people and you have to be invested in other people that are marginalized, that are different than you. And so I like to think that I need to hold space for them when they can't speak up for themselves, but obviously do not speak over them if they are present and they feel like fighting in that moment you know um yes just constantly keep others in mind because DEI is about everybody not just mm-hmm. certain groups yeah yeah you you bring an absolutely imperative point is that i well i first should state that for those of us who are officially in the DEI be role or capacity that Typically, the most frequent conversation I have is who is DEI for? Mm. And it is most often supposed to be for those who are historically marginalized communities or identities. Mm. That's what this work is for, right? Yeah. Um, we know that we we live in a, in a country specifically that is rooted in white supremacy and there is privilege and power in certain identities while others have been historically marginalized. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of us get into the work because we have our own identities mm-hmm. that we really have to go hard for. And you're right. And um, I can't remember the, the author's full name right now, but I'm reading this book. It's called the wake up. Mm-hmm. And um, the author, his last name is Kim says that, it's we can't do this work until we're ready to change ourselves, realize where we have mm-hmm. privilege, but also realize where we do have marginalized identities mm-hmm. and then look outside of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And and look outside of ourselves and our other communities. And as when we start going hard for other 
communities is when we're really doing the work, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's about all of us who, who need to share the space um, instead of just for ourselves. Um, and that's where equity really lies. So yeah, um, that's so, so important. Um, so I'm going to switch gears here just a little bit. And I usually start with this question, but um, I, I thought it was really important for people to know your background. Can you help us understand your mental health journey and then what's helped you navigate it? Hmm. My mental health journey without like going too deep into detail. Um, you can share as much or as little as you'd like, uh, but just, you know, let us know how it's been and what's helped you along the way. Um, I guess to contextualize it, I will say um, getting on board with working with my mental health journey was difficult because like mm. I'm a black woman and I was raised around independent black women and we're taught like, oh, you need to be the strong black woman. And we don't realize like how impactful, like how harmful that could potentially be to think that you have to always have it together. And so because of that, I have like bad perfectionist tendencies. I feel like I have to be the best at everything anytime I do anything. Um, uh. And so with that, um, just coming to terms with that, I had to start getting into therapy, which I didn't even mm. think I could afford before. I feel like we talk about it like it's extremely expensive. And of course, there mm-hmm. are people that can't afford it. But if you look into it, it's possible that you could. So I would advocate therapy if you, you know, you think you might have the resources for it. But um, I got into therapy because I felt like I had, I had people around me that cared about me, but they... Sometimes they couldn't support me in the ways that I needed. And Mm -hmm. I think something that I really needed was like honesty, like real raw honesty, like tell me, you know, tell me what I need to know. And so with the therapist that I have now, I'm really appreciative of her because she's super honest, but she's tactful. So I don't feel like when I talk to Mm. her that she's, you know, like walking on eggshells to tell me about myself. Um, she, She doesn't really have that issues she's you know she'll call me out but she'll do it with care um and I really appreciate mm, that that part <laughs> yeah I, I love every, her for not that. every therapist does yeah yeah not every therapist does especially like a lot of the stuff that that is thrown out right now is like culturally affirming therapists mm. where therapists like should understand your background and and your identities and and the walks of life that you come from mm-hmm. and then be able to tailor the way that they give you feedback. Right. Because it's mm-hmm. strong women and we're told, no, you don't do that. Yes. My initial reaction is like, Oh, the hell you not going to tell me <laughs> <laughs> and try to prove you wrong. Right. Which is probably not the most effective if I'm trying to work yes. on myself in therapy. So that is so, that is so, so key. Um, yeah. I, I, you did mention a couple of things like in terms of being like raised with strong black women and, and you are yourself one. How do you think that's impacted your, you know, exploration and your journey into UX, right? I know you're still mm-hmm. on that, on that uh, journey. So what's yeah. that been like for you, especially battling, you know, your healing, but also you want to get into this new career field, which black women are 
sometimes the minority, mm-hmm. um, most often I should say. So what's what has that been like for you? Ooh, that is that is a great question. Um, <laughs> let me think. Okay, so I feel like with UX, now it's kind of booming. Everybody wants to do it. Um, mm. So, like, people talk a lot about how there's an oversaturation of people that want to do UX work, and they're really just doing yeah. UI work, um, which is user interface versus user experience. Um, but... I think for me entering the space because I know this and because I have perfectionist tendencies, I'm like, oh, I have to be the best. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. like as soon as I'm gonna start learning this thing and I'm gonna finish this class. It says it'll take three months. I'm gonna get it done in a month, and Ooh. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna get all this stuff done. I'm gonna be the best at it. I'm gonna make sure my portfolio is amazing because I need y'all to know that I really know what I'm doing. So I think yes. that's. That's where the mental health part kind of comes in because mm. like the the overcompensation, like Yes. Yeah, because in reality you don't have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect, right? And mm. they do understand that I'm new to the field, so they're not expecting me to literally be perfect. But I just I just feel like I have to do it. I have to like yeah. be amazing so that you know, so that I can advance. Um, so that's something that I'm still kind of struggling with. And I think that the way that I am trying to reframe it is to just like block everybody else out and decide what I want for myself. <laughs> and just Pause. Oh, say it again, say it again. You have to block everybody else out <laughs> and just decide what yes. you want because there's there's a lot of like noise. There's everybody that they act like they're an expert and they know exactly what to do and they have all the methods. Once you finally get to them, because there's also people that are doing a lot of gatekeeping in the field. But um, once you get to people that do know what they're talking about, I mean, that may have worked for them, but it's not true that it'll work for you. And so Mm -hmm. you have to sit there and figure out what kind of career you see for yourself. Where do you start? Where do you see yourself going? soon and then what's the ultimate end goal and then lay out a plan for that so that's what i've yeah. been doing just like re re-strategizing based on what i want yeah i need that's really really that is so key Oof, that's such a gem because <laughs> i feel like like you said your mental health is impacted, right? Like you show Mm -hmm. up with your identities everywhere. It doesn't matter if you're at home, you know, you going out or you're at work, right? I I, like people, I think, underestimate the impact that, you know, us overthinking on, all right, we Mm got to overcompensate because we got to work twice as hard as everybody Mm -hmm. else or, you know, they're already doubting me. So I got to finish, you know, faster. I got (laughs) to, you know, work longer hours. I got to do this. And I say it like that with such conviction because I I do it too, right? I'm not a UX, (laughs) um, but I do it too. I'm, you know, coming from HR and DEI, like I'm always like, all right, I got to know all the policies. I got to be the one to have all the experiences. Mm -hmm. I got to be the one to, you know, know how to tell somebody about themselves in in a PC kind of way. Mm -hmm. And um, it's taxing. It is Mm -hmm. tiring. Um, And, and I tell you what I had, I hit burnout a couple times, Mm -hmm. um, especially at work because I felt like I had to carry it all. Mm -hmm. 
even though people thought that I was already great, that I was already doing amazing things and that I don't, I didn't need to continue to prove myself in a way, mm-hmm. you know, but, but something about society and the patriarchy telling me, mm-hmm. oh no, you got to be great. You got to be, you know, more, uh, I'm quoting Selena, the movie Selena. I don't know if mm. you know the movie, oh, but no, like, you got to be more Mexican than Mexicans. You got to be more American than Americans. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and that is hard. Like that is so much to take on. And, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about boundaries and mental health and stuff, but I think it's really important to like keep boundaries with ourselves. Like you said, mm-hmm. block out the noise and do what's good for you. Like you can listen to other people, but only take the bits and pieces that really serve you. Right. Yeah. Obviously don't like, you know, ignore opinions. If somebody's trying to tell you some constructive criticism, maybe yeah. you got to listen. Yeah, but you decide how you implement and you decide like, all right, well, maybe this person is right. Maybe I'll switch this up or, you know, maybe I can adjust this. Um, I always run everything by my therapist anyway, because mm. <laughs> that's just, um, oh, snap. Hang on one second. I'm having extra noise in the background on my hand. Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear the noises no. in the background that was happening for me? Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> sorry, my computer was making uh, funny noises, but um, yeah, I was I was just saying that, wow, I distracted myself. See, that's what happens when you don't get enough sleep, y'all. But I run everything <laughs> through my therapist and I, and you know, I really make sure to have the, the, the ability to sit down and be like, all right, I've, I've put in enough effort here. Like mm-hmm. I've proved myself enough. I'm satisfied myself and it's okay if everybody else got their own opinion. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's, that is such a great point. Um, especially when you make big decisions about your career and you're still early on in your career too, right? Like mm-hmm. you start questioning like, or should I take this assignment? You know, can I trust this manager mm-hmm. or, you know, can I partner with this coworker? Do they get it right? Like you always got to do that, like weird side eye to make sure that you're <laughs> like, are you, are you on the same team or yeah. do I got to watch out for you kind of thing? Like, you know, I feel like <laughs> I'm saying it out loud because we all do it, but I feel mm-hmm. like we don't, we don't really talk about it. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's super, super important to, to understand that like, our mental health is with us all the time. You mm-hmm. can't just drop that. And yeah. so are our identities. And so there's so much overlap that goes into that, especially just the way that we've been conditioned and, and you know, brought up that mm-hmm. it's almost, it's, it's hard to separate, right? Like mm-hmm. you can code switch as much as you want, but at some mm-hmm. point you're going to like, yeah, <laughs> it's going to come out and then you're like, oh, I'm deep in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to find a way out. Um, you know, so there's so much that, that goes into that. Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, um, coming back to our conversation. So you're still early in, in your career and you're still figuring it out. Like mm-hmm. what advice would you give to other young people who are still early in their journey? You know, some of the things that you wish you would have known, <laughs> but you had to mm-hmm. learn along the way. Yeah. Um, hmm. I think what I wish I had known with UX is hmm, to really, really understand the craft and appreciate the craft and get the fundamentals above everything 
Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a good way to ground yourself um, in the work that you're doing because you're going to see a lot of other people like constantly posting what they're doing and like, yeah, it might be pretty, yeah. but it doesn't mean that it's better than your process. Like you have a lot of good um, skills as well. Um, so really get really get the fundamentals, really understand what your strengths and weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. Play up your strengths, work on your weaknesses, but don't get too, mm. don't get too deep into your weaknesses. Because then you'll get in this loop, kind of like what I was saying about perfectionism. Like yes. you get in that loop where like I have to fix every single thing, and it's not it's not sustainable um, to go that hard all the time. So yeah, just I would say figure out what you want, go for that, um, and just stay focused on that, like keep your blinders on. But as far as like mental health, what I would say is to find a healthy outlet. Um, So like for me, that's music, I've always loved music. Um, I can't play any instruments or anything, but I appreciate music. (laughs) Neither can I. I can't (laughs) shit. Great. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it a lot. Uh, I like exploring new music and seeing how it's made and stuff like that. And I also like journaling, um, which sounds really corny at first when you hear it. But like, <laughs> once you get into Not gonna it, lie, I did too. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the same thing at like, first. I was like, oh, I don't like journal. Do Who's gonna do that? <laughs> yeah, um, but, but it's really powerful. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And like for me, journaling is great for reframing my thoughts. Like, because I think when um, yeah. when you experience something, it's really easy to internalize it or like personalize it or something like that. Yeah. But if yeah. you take the time to write I, it out, um, you get I'm it. I'm a storyteller. Yeah. Ah. I tell myself stories to where like, I know the facts, like I know a couple of them, but then I'll just tell myself a whole narrative based on that <laughs> one little snippet. And yeah. my husband would be looking at me like... That, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like, jumping like, to conclusions is so easy. I get it. Yeah. I get it. You yes. have to fill in the blanks. It's like a natural thing to do. Yes. And I, like, am actively doing that all the time. And, like, I have to I have to practice how to. I still got to do it. Right? Like, I mm-hmm. still have to remind myself, like, all right, I only have one little piece of information. Like, I don't need mm-hmm. to know everything right now. Or let me ask some more questions. Right. And I say it out loud, like I literally will talk out loud or journal. Um, mm-hmm. So that way I do get out of my head because I tell you what, shame and all of these other emotions, they're mm-hmm. best friends. They thrive on you internalizing and being quiet. Yeah. But the second you vocalize it, you're like, well, wait a minute, that made no damn sense. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, and you just you you know it's it's a really helpful tool, especially like if you don't have that many people around you to support you, like you said, and have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, journaling is is so powerful, and you know it stops that habitual filling in the blanks and storytelling, mm-hmm. and always jumping to conclusions because you yeah. know that's gotten me in trouble a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> me too. It happens. Oh my goodness! Yes, yes, but 
I do want to expand a little bit on what you said for, for those in the industry, you know, to start on the foundation and perfect your craft and stuff like that. Mm. You know, I would say that that applies to any industry, especially Definitely. like as we're starting off in our careers. Um, I used to get really, really frustrated at hearing those words. And so I'm like, well, I already know <laughs> what I'm doing. I'm, I've got this, like, I'm ready for more. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can always, you can always hone in your craft and you can always learn, right? Like, I think it's, it's okay to be humble about it and be like, you know what? I don't know it all. And yeah. you can verbalize it. You can like, I don't know it all. I'm still willing and open to learn. And I'm, you know, just growing in this particular space. And that's not necessarily a hit on us being strong or mm-hmm. being good at what we do, et cetera, et cetera. I think I've also told myself that story is like, well, dang, if I didn't know that, then I must not be a good, you know, Mm -hmm. HR professional or I must not be a good mom or et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not the case. That doesn't that doesn't equate to our value. Right. I think it's more valuable that we're always willing to learn and that we're always willing to evolve, uh, Mm -hmm. especially as things change, as technology changes, as, you know, industries will will always have, you know, a, a cycle um, so I think it's really important, right? Like just remind yourselves, like it is okay that you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you got to be down on yourself about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, no internalizing. It's, it's a work in progress. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Don't, don't take anything internal. That's not for you. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> I've been telling everybody like, this is my year. I'm just saying yes to all the things that serve me and no to everything that doesn't like, if it's not for me, it's not in my energy. I'm good. Thanks. I walk away. That's a great thing <laughs> and that to do, includes, honestly. Yes. Yeah, that includes all the stories I try to tell myself that don't serve me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, do you have any last-minute thoughts, anything that you'd like to share? Where can people find you? I know you're working on your portfolio and your work and stuff like that. Um, if you want to put that out there uh, before we hop off. Yeah. Um, so I think the best way to find me is probably through LinkedIn. So okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not huge on social media, but the social media I have, you know, that's personal. But um Yeah. No, I totally get that. I keep myself separate too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You got to. Perfect. Well, I'll link your LinkedIn um, here in the description of the podcast, and I'll make sure everyone knows your name, Amani Butler. Um, I really just want to thank you for showing up, uh, for being vulnerable. I know it's not easy sharing your story and Mm -hmm. and putting yourself out there. So I appreciate you just willing to be, you know, be here and have the conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much for for doing that. No, thank you for even holding this space for me. Oh, yeah. This you is, are welcome like, anytime. <laughs> Thank you. I'd love to be back. So. Yes, absolutely. You are welcome anytime. But um, thank you to everybody who's listening. This has been another episode of Cecily Corazon. Uh, Amani is my guest today. I will link her LinkedIn. Please go check her out. She's got amazing work. Uh, she's up and coming in the UX uh, <laughs> arena. And um, I'm a big fan. And, um, oh. you know, we're all here to support each other. So <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you.